Welcome to Courage in Action. We are a sisterhood of women empowering women to be everything we are meant to be. I'm your host, Naluka Kotagara, and it is my privilege to join your life journey as we connect with some extraordinary, triumphant, and beautifully imperfect women through this podcast. Together, we hope to inspire you to take action towards your life goals, one courageous step at a time. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the second episode of Courage in Action, the podcast. I am thrilled to be joined today by Tanya Piazza-Hughes. She's an extraordinary woman, a member of the Courage in Action board, and co-author of the amazing book, Healing the Little Women Inside, Stories of Rebirth and Renewal. And she also identifies as a recovering approval junkie. Tanya, welcome, and thank you for joining me today. Thank you so much. (laughs) I was really fascinated to learn about the book, Healing the Little Women Inside. What I love about this, the stories there, is it's a compilation of women, their life stories, and how they're regaining their shine. Maybe you can tell our listeners a little bit about your own journey and what you think uh, you have in common with other women. Uh, Yeah, yeah. Um, I think that, I can't remember if I wrote it in the story or not, but I felt like in the beginning... Um, it was a teeny tiny piece of a story that had obviously been developing for a really long time. And it was the one little piece that I held, I guess, in secret. And so I think that's something that we all have in common is, you know, we have this deep, dark something that we think if somebody knows, it'll be the end of the world. Um, And I started writing it as, you know, to tell my story to think if it could help one person, then I would, you know, mission accomplished. And really it turned into an act of forgiveness. So it turned into uh, a completely selfishly motivated act of forgiveness. <laughs> and I think uh, it, it morphed into um, such a, a, a big piece of the last, I guess, dirty bit of the story that I was hanging on to that I feel absolutely defined me as a woman. And I think we all have that. And then once you say the truth, once you speak it, once you utter it, you realize, huh, it's not that bad after all. <laughs> okay. So there was power in actually saying or writing the words. And then once you said them, it, it almost released something in you. I don't know if it was power, to be honest. I think mm. it was just a kindness. Like it was just okay. a release. It wasn't like I feel on top of the world. I just felt lighter and, and, and happier. So freer. Yeah. You mentioned forgiveness. Did you mean forgiveness in the context of forgiving others or forgiving yourself? Me. Definitely me. Okay. Yeah. And what was it about it that you were holding yourself accountable for? Um, so it's, accountability is, is like one of my core values. So if, there's, it, if, if it's one of two, you know, it, it's, it's a definitely a, the, a strong value of mine. And, and so it's, it's interesting to use that, that word. But yeah, I was holding myself accountable for, um, for taking credit for somebody else, for a piece of somebody else's story because I was too mm-hmm. ashamed to admit um, my 
lack of participation in the piece of the story. So uh, I guess for listeners, instead of just talking in code, it, <laughs> it is, um, I had a daughter when I was very young and I gave her up for adoption and mm. carried that around um, as uh, uh, I was the black sheep of the family. You know, I was I was a horrible human being. What kind of mother does that? What kind of human being does that? All of that. So all of these badges of shame. I had a wonderful sash going, and um, and then I finally just kind of said, you know, it's it's not. It's just this is not the way that life is supposed to be lived. And so I started the journey back to um, happiness, I suppose, uh, which is our default switch. But the one piece that I was hanging on to was, you know, there were, uh, I found my daughter when she was 22 years old. And so... Yeah. So from from finding her, then she just became part of my narrative. She just became part of my life. And there were a lot of people who didn't know that I'd never, that I didn't raise her um, and I didn't correct them. And that was probably the, the piece that um, felt like a, a secret. And it was the last secret because I found that there was still shame attached to giving her up for adoption. But when I reframed it, it was, um, I mean, her adoptive family is, they're, they're literally the most glorious human beings that I've ever oh. met. <laughs> and uh, her mom is, I mean, I don't even, there are no words to describe the beauty of this woman. Oh, it's and, amazing. Yeah. She, uh, and I was taking credit for her work. And that's when I was like, there's no shame attached to that. The only shame is my own. And so when it was, there was one line that I wrote that the moment that I typed it, I started to cry. And I knew whatever it was, I hit the epicenter of it. And, um, and it was that I was lying uh, about something that was so beautiful that a woman so selflessly gave and I was taking credit for her work. And I just... Mm. I wasn't comfortable being unaccountable for that and pushing her into the shadow so that I could preserve my own dark corner. It just, it wasn't cool. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's interesting that you, you use the word shadow because I think that's where shame really lives. Oh, for sure. In the shadow and in lies and in, in holding things back and that, It uh, it only deteriorates ourselves. Like it only impacts ourselves when we're holding on to onto things yeah. like that. So I guess in the story, it came up. It, I used the analogy. It was a germ, right? And germs. Oh. Some germs can be good, and some germs can be bad. Some germs fight things off, and and you know that that the germ that was the lie protected me from a lot of things, but it also did more more harm than it did good. And so I think accepting it for what it was is just that at times it was good and at times it served me very few, but at times it did. And then other times it didn't, but it was time to say to that germ, you've had your life cycle and and we're done here. Yeah. Close that chapter. Yeah. We're good. Yeah. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) So in, in every great story, and I think it's amazing what you've you know, you've worked through and what you've overcome. And I think you have a, a beautiful family and a story to go with it. But in every one, there's sort of highs and lows in this cast of characters that that shape every experience and journey. Mm-hmm. Um, what are some of the... And I think as women, one of the, the hardest things we 
we have to do is to celebrate those highs when they happen and to be okay staying in a place of joy. Mm-hmm. Could you describe a little bit some of those times for you and, and how you celebrated that and how you hold on to those? So I remember, uh, I remember when my daughter was born and, um, and then you kind of, I mean, every story grows, right? It depends yeah. on what you feed it. So uh, I remember when she was born, she had this thick, just so much hair, so <laughs> much hair, just, and, and these eyes that you would just fall into. Oh. And I remember, um, and I, I never had any other children. I, I was never pregnant again. Like she was my, she was my one and done. She was my mm. one shot at, at fame and glory and, you know, I'm, I'm really glad that, that our story turned out the way that it did. But I remember, um, you know, going through, going, going through the years and thinking um, that so many parents take so many things for granted. And really, all I wanted was to feel her hair and to be able to just Aww. stick my face in her hair and smell her and feel the touch, know what her skin, know what her fingers look like, all of those things that you memorize. And, and then some people just forget it. And so I remember when I met her, um, of course, everything's running through your brain. Like, what am I going to say? And what am I going to do? And how do I navigate through this? Is it going to be awkward? Like all mm-hmm. of it just, you can't plan it. And so the moment of joy that I will literally for the rest of, I don't know, hopefully many lifetimes to come, never, ever forget is the first time that I saw her. And all I said was, you're perfect. And I, I, I hugged her and smelled her hair for the first time. So... I know. <laughs> I'm like, oh, that's so, that's so beautiful. Yeah, I'm like, I'm not crying. You're not. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and but, are yeah. you able to call on that memory and, and almost use that moment to get yourself through difficult times? Yeah, but you know what? I, I think I'm a big subscriber too of, of emotions being temporary. All emotions mm. are temporary. Mm-hmm. So I think a big part of the fallacy that we put ourselves through is that we are always in the pursuit of joy. That, yes. that there is this fallacy that we always have to be happy. Um, and that is not true. You can't, like for me, it's celebrating the contrast, right? Is that I do not know what pure joy is. I, I would not know that sensation of what my daughter's hair smelled like if I had not had the absolute opposite of gut-wrenching pain because I didn't know what her hair smelled like. Mm-hmm. And so it's because of that, that I can find the beauty in the profane, right? That I can find the joy in the despair. And so it, it all comes and goes. And I think as I get older, I'm starting to learn that this too shall pass is as cliche and corny as it is. It's, it's not hanging on to it. It's allowing it, being grateful for it, and then letting it flow through you and just just come out of it. So it's really in all how you frame it. You just frame it as, okay, this feels really shitty right now. It feels horrible and I don't like it. Um, but to stuff it does more damage, right? Yeah. And so I've learned that they're not mutually exclusive, that you can be ungrateful and angry and, and grateful you can be grateful and angry at the same time as you can be, you know, ungrateful and joyful at the same time. They're not, 
Yes. They're not mutually exclusive. And certainly during this pandemic, you know, I, I we are both disgustingly busy with our jobs. So we get it. <laughs> yeah. And yet I don't want to complain because I'm grateful to still have a job. We're so but lucky. God, mm-hmm. But God damn it, I'm tired. Like I'm, <laughs> I'm miserable. I just want to sit on the couch and... I don't know, do what, do nothing and go brainless. But it, it doesn't mean that I'm any less because I have conflicting emotions. They're all temporary. Temporary. And I think that's mostly what life is about. It's how you ebb and flow and how you balance those highs and lows and all of these emotions. We're certainly not black and white individuals by any stretch. Um, no, no, I am multiple shades of gray. Yeah. <laughs> all the colors of the rainbow over here. Yeah, so. for sure. <laughs> and I love it. Yeah, I yeah. just, I, I never know. And then maybe one day I'll dream up a new color and be like, oh, this is new. Yeah. And what's this experience? Mash up. Right. And what's happening and, and yeah. And, and how is it going to serve me? Because I think all of it serves us regardless. Yes. And it, it's interesting when you talk about how you take a step back and, and observe the emotion that you're going through, because a lot of times, yeah, that's age. Let me, let me, let me clarify that. That is age. Uh, yeah, no, this Irish Italian does not, you know, no, that is, that is lessons being learned for sure. Well, on, on the vein of lessons, and I love that you use that word because a lot of people um, will feel like they made a mistake or they did something wrong and then they tend to spiral and focus on that and it was a mistake and then it makes, I, I did this, therefore I am wrong and, and this mistake is kind of growing in you. And mm-hmm. I always try to think of them as, as lessons. So could you expand a little bit more on that, the point there that you said it's a lesson and you have to self-reflect on that? I like mistakes. I am a mm-hmm. big fan of mistakes. I think that we have done one another and, and ourselves and our children a huge disservice uh, on, on, you know, on vilifying mistakes. Mm-hmm. My mistakes have made for the best stories. Let me tell I <laughs> like funny sometimes, not other times. Tragic other times. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, they are the best train wrecks. And and I would not have been the person if I had not colossally screwed up the and made the gigantic mistakes that I have made. The difference is, is that I own them, right? Mm. The difference is, is that I am not, I am no longer shamed by the mistakes that I made. You know, could you say that I made a mistake in, in having sex when I was 15 years old? Okay, maybe I did. And then maybe it was a mistake to have unprotected sex. And then maybe Mm. it was a mistake. But if I hadn't have done all of those things, I would not, have my daughter and is my daughter a mistake? No. And you would, you would not have known the joy of smelling her hair. Exactly. I would not yeah. have the joy of being a mother right, right now for all I know. I don't know. But I, I, and it, for me, I just say, by the grace of God, I'm still alive mm-hmm. because we can make some really, really bad mistakes that a lot of people do and it costs them, it costs them their lives. And, but I'm still here to talk about it. And so I celebrate the mistakes and they're all lessons, but you have to turn them into that. If you can't, if you just, if it's this, this ideal of perfection that is, <laughs> it's just being shaken to the core and I love it. Um, yeah. You know, Pink said, I'm perfectly imperfect and I am, I'm so Just bang on. Bang yeah, on. bang on to her on that one. Yeah. yeah. And I'm good um, with that. I'm okay with that. 
So you said this has come with age and I, and you know, I'm, I'm getting there too. So I yeah. hear, I hear you. I feel you on that one, but yeah, it is almost like a development of, uh, or learning how to self care, self love, self value. Um, and it's like a, a cycle of recovery. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know you, uh, you focus a lot on sort of the love and value side of things. How do you see that playing out? Both you're a very strong female leader, just a strong leader in general. And then you balance sort of this personal life with professional and how does self-love and self-value play into both parts of that? So you may have to bleep this part out. I don't know, <laughs> no, no. I don't know if they're swearing aloud or not, but <laughs> this is what I say. It's it's because the evolving conversation in my house is that I am an equal opportunity asshole. I nice. am consistent that, you know, if there's a hill that I will die on, I am consistent. That it doesn't matter if it's the president or, you know, the managing principal of my company, mm-hmm. or if it's my husband, or if it's a stranger, I am an equal opportunity asshole. You absolutely always know with me what you are going to get, period. So there's no, there's no professional Tanya, and there's no home Tanya. It's, I did this values exercise, and uh, we did it with the leadership. And I remember one of my favorite humans came to me, and he said... Um, well, do you want my work values or do you want my home values? And I was like, there's no difference. And he said, yes, there is. And I go, no, there's not. And so we had this spirited debate because he's telling me, yeah, there is. And I said, no, there's not. First of all, (laughs) you have a set of values. There are two, one to two values. My guiding principle value is love. My next one is accountability. And that means that no matter what, um, that that those are my, that's my beacon. Those are my, that's my lighthouse. Those are the two values. And I could probably narrow it down to one, which is love because everything stems from love and I love love. It's my favorite thing. But accountability is a really big part of who I am is that when I make a mistake, I own it and I'm accountable for it. There's, and it doesn't matter if it's at home or if it's somewhere else, even if it's my husband and I don't want to admit that I'm wrong, it's, (laughs) it's being accountable to be like, you know what? I was a goof. I was a goof and I'm sorry. And that may take, you know, a, a couple of days, but I'll get there and I'll, I'll, I'll own it. But it's the same thing at work. And I think even from a leadership perspective, it is more important for every, everybody is watching when you're in a leadership position. And especially for me, I'm in human resources. And so it is even more critical for me to be consistent. And I've never, I will never proclaim that I'm perfect. I will step in it. I will make mistakes. The difference is, is when I do, either I recognize it or someone calls me on it and I will say, I am sorry, that was not my intention. And with everybody watching, that is behavior that I want to be modeled so that they know that they know who they're getting. It's, it's this fallible, swearing too much, (laughs) hot under the collar, human that will always listen and will genuinely care about who they are, but never pretend to be somebody that I am not ever. 
Yeah. And I actually, I love that you were, you were on the side of there's no difference in your values between work and home or work Mm -hmm. and personal, because you are, you are the same human being. Work is just a group of human beings coming together to try and Mm -hmm. do something. And at work, you think you have to put masks on, right? Like you think all of a sudden you have to be somebody else. And so I think this is the piece where I'm going more, like I'm going down this rabbit hole of (laughs) value-based employment, like value-based. Why do we feel the need? Like, you know, Brene Brown is doing wonderful work on vulnerability and courageousness and and how we do that, not just in our lives, but at work. So how can you be like, how can you say you're authentic when you're two different people in two different settings? You're not because you're still wearing the mask of something. And that means that there is something in you that is afraid to be all who you are in a particular setting, whether it's at home, whether it's in public, whether it's at work or whatever. And that's the work. That's where we have to get because that's the DNA piece of it, right? Yes, yes. To uncover. Okay, so now I'm, I'm looking at developing interview questions based around values. Mm-hmm. So I can train a computer program. I can tra- like people can learn that. I can't, you know, my value is accountability, and I, if, if that is one of the core values of an organization that I genuinely want to work for, then um, it has to be a match. But if I'm, you know, if I'm King Trash Mouth and it doesn't matter, accountability doesn't matter, I'm going to say whatever I want to say, depending on who the audience is, um, to get what I want, then I'm not accountable and this won't be a fit. Right. And it's almost like... Um, the energy that you have to put in mm-hmm. to create that act and to be inauthentic is it'll just drain you. And I feel like, mm-hmm. you know, stress and anxiety and depression are a lot of things that are are circulating through society right now. And some of it is probably caused by this effort that you have to put in and this this facade that you have to hold up all the time. And I think, you know, a gr- it is saying the words, I'm sorry, I was wrong, owning it, as you say, for me, I know that relieves my stress. Yeah. Like the anxiety around being wrong, the I'm a recovering approval junkie, recovering perfectionist, recovering all of these things and, and just owning it and owning who you are, just it releases a lot of tension in your body. Yeah, for sure. Like think about the power so I'll give you an example. I, I, I'm working on it. I, again, work in progress. I have horrible, <laughs> horrible road rage, mostly because I like to drive yeah. really, really fast. Right. So um, I, I remember this seemingly, I mean, it was, it was nothing in the grand scheme of my life. It was nothing. And I was driving along, I think it was Lakeshore. It was probably really late at night. I don't, it was probably like 100 years ago. And I just remember driving and this guy randomly changed lanes and basically cut me off. We were the only two cars I feel, I feel this on the road. going up right now. <laughs> right? And I was like, what the? And I, I pull up beside him and I'm shaking my head and I got the <laughs> mad face on and I look like that person. He, he rolls down his window and I'm like, oh, I wish you would. And so I roll my window down and he's like, cool as a cucumber, Naluka. And he goes, oh, wow. what's up? And I go, oh. you totally cut me off back there. And he goes, did I? And I go, you did. And he goes, mm. I'm sorry. I didn't know that. Took the wind out of my sails. Yes. Because what am I supposed to say to that? Because- like, are you sorry? Are you really, really sorry? Like, and he, he was like, I, 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 I'm sorry. I, uh, 
I didn't know. He literally had not seen you, had no idea. Had no idea. Yeah. Had no idea. And here yeah. I, lo- I lost minutes of my life in anger for something so stupid. Yes. It's just like, whew, there it goes, there it goes. There went the wind right out of my head. <laughs> yeah. I had nothing. It is. It's in my mouth open. I was like, come on. <laughs> I'm trying to be angry here. Right? I was all geared up for a scrap. I was all geared up. Like, I had all the words. I had all the stuff, all the zingers. And you just, you think about the power of, I'm sorry. Yes. What it can do. And yeah. it, just, it is, it's amazing. It really is. And it's interesting that you mentioned that it sort of, it, it not disarmed you, but it instantly brought you down because no, it, in, in, it totally, <laughs> totally in the context of, of work and COVID and like all of the things that are going on and we're trying to teach people how to deescalate situations and all of yeah. these things. It is amazing how when you just acknowledge someone or acknowledge mm-hmm. the reason that they are upset or anything like that, that it just deescalates everything. Instantly. Yes. There is a shift in energy that you feel instantly. Instantly. Like if someone is just going off on a tangent and you look at them with kindness Mm -hmm. and you say, I hear you. Yes. I'm sorry. Like those things you're just like... Done. Oh. It's done. Okay. Yeah. How do we fix this? How can I help you? Because at the end of the day, everybody is just looking to be valued and to be seen. And heard. Heard. Yeah. Yes. Seen and heard. Yes. That's it. Yeah. I don't have to agree with you. We, and, and I hate that, you know, I'll agree to disagree. Let's just disagree. Like, it's fine. <laughs> why do I have to quantify it? I don't, I, there's no yeah. quantifying. We're just going to disagree. And that's okay. Because that's, there's enough for everybody. There are enough opinions. There are enough values. There are enough, there's enough resources. There's enough of everything. And so I don't have to compete with you and, and tell you that we have to have the same opinion. That it just, it doesn't make any sense. And so it's okay for me to say, I don't see it that way, but that doesn't mean that your opinion doesn't, is not valid. It's totally valid because it defines your experience too, right? But can we share opinions? Can we, can we be open enough to say that there is room for multiple experiences and opinions? There, ha- there has to be room for it because yeah. that's, that's our society and that's what we all are is we're all on a very individual journey. And yep. it, what I found interesting about the road rage story also is that you were so enraged and in your mind, he was purposefully cutting you off and causing you. Right. He had chosen you as a yeah. target. <laughs> and he was exactly coming right. after you. And then yeah. the reality is to him, he was probably listening to his music and genuinely did not see you. Yeah, it could have been long so, enough. He could have been drunk. He could have been high as a kite. He, he could have been just right. like, you know what? Maybe he just came from a first date and he was so enraptured with love. And he <laughs> yeah. just, he wasn't even, and you know what? That's what happens is nine times out of 10, and I see it all the time in my job, nine times out of 10, it has nothing to do with you. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. But the ego is defined to protect us. And so it makes it all about us. And so that's where, you know, again, it's that heart-centered approach Mm. to leadership that I really, um, um, I'm so diving down. Yeah. And so how are are you defining heart-centered leadership? 
it's just leading by love. And so everyone will say, you know, this is a place of business. There's no place for that. And I was like, oh, so we park our humanness at the door. Is that right? So when we walk into this building, we come, we become AI, basically. We're just automatons. We're just robots. We're, we're these things. No. And, and, and especially now, like to your point, we're all going through individual experiences. Like, how do I know that your car didn't break down? Or how do I know that you're one paycheck away from losing your home or that your mom just got diagnosed with stage four breast cancer or your Mm -hmm. dad just got diagnosed with dementia and he didn't plan, you know, there's no retirement plan. And what are you going to do? How do I know? And, And I'm expected to leave that behind and not deal with that. So I just, I think... We just need to be a lot kinder to one another. And it's so simple. It's really, it's so simple, but it's not easy. And that's the difference. Well, that's the thing, right? Is that it actually takes hard work, but feels so much better. Yeah. Well, it takes effort. I'm, I'm not going to say it's, it's work. That's fair. Yes. Effort it's is effort. a better word. Yes. It takes effort. Yes. yes. Right? So... You, and, and I always encourage people to assume best intent. So when you assume best intent, you know, say something happened between you and I, and um, I instantly think of the worst scenario. Well, she did this and she must have done this on purpose. Like same thing with road rage. You know, this, this jerk must have cut me off and <laughs> he's just an idiot and he's stupid and he can't drive and he only cares about himself and it could have been something entirely different. So yeah. instead of just assuming best intent, what could have happened was I could have pulled up, I could have given him a little, you know, doot, doot, and he would have rolled his window down and I could have said, hey, I don't know if you're aware, but you cut me off back there and that, you know, if I wasn't aware, we could have both been in an accident and then left it. But I assumed that he was an idiot and all of these really negative things instead of, you know, just coming home from his first date and he really likes, <laughs> likes a girl. blind with love. Exactly. <laughs> What's interesting about that though is that... Um, you know, it's, I could have done so many different things and I should have done so many different things, but Mm. that road rage and everything that happens in life, I believe in that road rage incident actually opened your eyes a bit more about Mm. the different perspectives and the fact that we're all on different journeys. And it's in those moments that you just feel like that was a profound aha moment, as Oprah says, (laughs) it was my aha moment for the day. Yeah. Um, I think yeah, and and that's yeah, and that's what happens, right? Is those little moments happen, and then all of a sudden your perspective is shifted, and mm-hmm. that's really I'm just looking for those kind of kinds of experiences, and that we can make them real, but we don't forget because that is also a human condition is that we forget. So one of the interesting things is when the pandemic started, mm-hmm. what I started to do was make a list of the things that I did not want to forget. I started making a list of things that I wanted to remember, oh. and I remember for the first time connecting with you know, someone in my grocery store by just going up and asking them, somebody that I see every week and walked up to him and just said, you good? You okay? Oh, that's so nice of you. And of course you have <laughs> Being to Being in that. the grocery industry, right? we appreciate that so much. And, and, and who would have thought? Like, you know, yeah. and, and because you're wearing a mask and making eye contact with that person mm. and, you know, all of a sudden you've got this human experience that... Yeah you know, for that moment, maybe he was having a horrible day and maybe at some point in time, just somebody asking him, are you okay? And 
seeing him. Yes. Right. Yes. That's, seeing that's him. it. Mm-hmm. And asking that question and, and making that connection. So those are the things, that's one of the things that I never want to forget. And I never want to forget the, the vulnerability where I'm not really, I'm not a conspiracy theory type person. I'm not, I don't go down a lot of those, like that fear rabbit hole. Good. Yeah. But I was fair. I was afraid. I remember the first time that I had to go out after quarantine mm-hmm. and genuinely being afraid. petrified yep. and thinking, real. Yep. oh my gosh, how, how must people feel who suffer from anxiety that mm-hmm. this on top of everything? And so it humanized me a little bit more and I felt prepared me to help somebody who does suffer from anxiety even more because now I could relate. So I became even more human because of that. So I don't want to forget that. It's that all of the things that you're talking about are, are about connection, mm-hmm. human connection. And I think given this time period and everything that everyone's going through with COVID and quarantines and everything else, the yeah. importance of having some form of human connection has come out mm-hmm. tenfold, yeah. I would yeah. say. Yeah. So I just, we just want to get back to basics, right? Like every year, Mm. um, I don't do new year resolutions. I do, um, I do themes. And so interestingly enough, the theme for 2020 was, was, um, primary colors where Mm. I just wanted to strip everything down to, to the basics. But the way that I framed it was, um, primary colors. So I just wanted to go with primary colors. There's three colors. Every other color on the spectrum comes from these, you know, a combination thereof of these colors. And um, then all of this happened. And I thought that's what's happening is we are being stripped down to our primary colors, like Maslow's hierarchy of needs. It's just, I love that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And each color, you know, yellow, red, and blue, they all have a very distinct characteristic. Yeah. And right. it's, it's almost like the colors are, and I have heard this before that all the different colors represent different energies and things like that. And mm-hmm. yellow, red, and blue are all very strong. Blue being calm, red being sort of more like power, powerful color and yellow being a, a friendly, happy uh, sort of thought. Right. So. And so then you calm, you, you, let's say what, okay, so what happens when you combine yellow and blue in equal parts? And what happens when you add a right. little bit more yellow? And, to, you know, and that's the human experience is it's just going to be a different mix at any given time, but knowing that we kind of control our own palette. Yeah. And do you feel society in general has evolved as part of the COVID crisis and everything that, you know, I think globally there's some unity and some understanding, better understanding of each other. Um, but how do you think society has evolved? That's, uh, yeah. So I don't know, to be honest with you, I see, I think I see, uh, again, it's the emotions, right. Is I Mm. see really, really good. And then I see really, really not good. And then I see every shade in between. And I always say to my husband, I was like, listen, the only thing that I am responsible for is how I, is how I act. And, and so I know that I have changed. I know I have this, I have this, um, this hoodie that my daughter bought me and it's a spiritual, <laughs> spiritual gangster on it. Love it. And yeah. And so, um, 
I went to see my my therapist who's more like a shaman. She's just this wonderful witch doctor. I love her. <laughs> um, but she when I showed up, she she I was telling her kind of what the issue of of the moment was. And um she looked at my my hoodie and started laughing. And she said, you know, those terms don't go together. And I was like, I know, that's the irony. Hello. <laughs> and I said, that's why it's funny. And she said, well, here's the thing. Your whole life, you have had to show up as the gangster. Your whole life, you have had to been the, be the warrior, the one who fought and clawed to the top. And you have been saying you don't want that anymore. And she said, and in this situation and every situation thereafter, you have to decide until it becomes as natural as the gangster, you mm. have to show up as the spiritual. Yeah. And I just went, oh. She's amazing. Damn you. <laughs> Damn you. It's and all it's the different colors coming together. 100%. Spiritual. Yeah. Yeah. So I think to answer your question is, has society changed? I'm sure it has. What that means, I don't know. I really don't because there's people that are going to be left behind. I think 2020 um, is spiritually an exceptionally important year. Yes. Um, it, we, we've been, you know, this moment in history has been culminating for over a hundred years. And so here we are at the apex and the world is falling apart and we are in transition. But there was a really good analogy that was shared with me, actually one of the keynote speakers at, at the conference. And mm. um, this woman, she said, um, I want everybody to close your eyes and I want, I want you to think about the word fertilizer. <laughs> right? And everybody's okay. kind of like, huh? You know, the Scooby, you know. Yeah. So... She said, I want you to think about what fertilizer is. And my eyes flew open and I went, this woman is a genius. Brilliant. It's brilliant. Yeah. Brilliant. She yes. said, and I'm talking the good stuff. Yes. Made of. And I was like, shit. Yes. And she said, and from and what it, do life you grows. do? Yeah. She said, what do you do with fertilizer? She said, you spread it, right? <laughs> and then what comes from fertilizer? And I just went, Everything, everything. everything. Mm -hmm. So she said, so when you say that your life feels like shit or looks like shit, she said, you're right. Now what? And I went, God damn. Like that. Unbelievable. That is everything. Right. That is Fertilizer. everything we had talked about. Highs and lows of life, growing through the difficult yep. times, yep. all the colors, everything is in fertilizer. All the transition. And that's the part yes. of the human condition that I think we forget, right? We just, we want to be there all at once. Mm -hmm. So I always say it's like, you know, when you lose weight, right? Yep. I didn't wake up 30 pounds heavier. But I'm going to eat salad for a day and I'm going to think that the next day or I'm going to do that for a week and then I'm going to, you know, five days, seven days from now, I'm going to wake up and be 30 pounds lighter. That's not how it works. I'm in transition, right? right? Yeah. I need yeah. to go from one point to the other. And so that's the forgiving piece of one another and being kind to ourselves to say, I'm not going to get there all at once. This is a journey and I'm going to, you know, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to walk it and I'm going to experience it and I'm going to be okay. And I know I'm going to fall and I know I'm going to get back up and I know there's going to be bumps and I know there's going to be this and whatever. But another really good analogy that I heard was, you know, life is like a GPS. And so, but you're coordinated. 
so you're knowing what your end destination is. So mm-hmm. if I want to go from my address to your address, I put your address in my GPS. I, I, am, I am setting the end result. So I know what I want to happen. And so if I'm looking for a job and I say, the end destination is finding a job where I'm happy, I get the money that I want, I'm, you know, my worth and la la la, all of those things. Well, I put that destination in my GPS and unless I take my car out of park, I'm not going anywhere. Right. So what do I have to do? I have to move forward. I have to take it step by step and, and turn by turn. And what happens if I make a wrong turn? Well, the GPS says recalculating and then it gives you another because it knows another what the path. end path is. Yeah. Right. And so eventually you'll get there. Yeah. So you just trust the journey. Right. In knowing your way, the way yeah. it's supposed to happen for you. Exactly. That's your path. Yeah. I yeah. love it. And that's the mistakes piece, right? Is mm-hmm. It's okay to make mistakes. Just recalculating. Re- recalibrate and keep Recalibrate going. and keep going. Yeah. 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 That's amazing. Yeah. Um, this has been a, a great chat. I've, I've loved it. Um, <laughs> any, <laughs> any final thoughts that you want to share with everybody? I just, just be kinder. Just, you know, as Ellen says, be kind to one another. But I would say before that, just be kind to yourself. Mm, Just take it easy. You know, life really is, we've forgotten how to have fun and how to play. And I think, um, you know, we talked about this is, is I, my four year old me had it all figured out. (laughs) And, and the further away from her that I got is now I am, I am coming back to her and she wants to play and have fun and mm. and there is nothing attached to it and so when I am in moments of crisis I close my eyes and I see four-year-old me and nine times out of ten she's just smiling and she's twirling and she's just playing and that's literally what she says to me all the time she gets right in my face and she whispers play and I think <laughs> we've forgotten how to do that and so just get back to having fun and Go easy on yourself. Take it easy. I love it. Yeah. Overarching theme being love. Yeah. Self-love, love each other. And fun, laughter, and joy. Fun. Yeah. yeah. Play. <laughs> Remember how to laugh like you did when you were a kid. Yeah. 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 When you had not a care in the world. Yeah. Right? Like all the adults. I, I don't know. Me as an adult, I'm the idiot. <laughs> my four-year-old Far from self it. Was Far from brilliant. it. Well, my compared to my four-year-old self, you know, I yeah. you know, whatever. Perspective. Perspective. Yeah. yeah. Well, I started off saying you're an extraordinary woman. You oh. certainly are. This has been an extraordinary conversation. I've really enjoyed it. So, so thank grateful. you so much. Yeah, thank you. You it takes extraordinary to know extraordinary. So <laughs> likewise. Thank you. This has been a lot of fun. Awesome. Thank you. Okay. 